1: Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Wisconsin Music Podcast. This week we have Ben Hans. You might have noticed that Wisconsin Music Podcast has not put up a new episode in a few weeks. I've been busy finishing up some projects. I've been working with a new local band from Milwaukee called Alley Eyes. They entrusted in me to help produce this upcoming four-song EP. So we got together last summer and we met uh, I believe like four times for a few hours each time and went through some production changes here and there to help uh, songs really come together. It was a great experience for me and I believe they also had a positive experience as well because They decided to also hire me to mix the four songs for this. We went over to National Recording in Milwaukee, did a weekend there, did the basic tracks and overdubs on a Saturday, and then we finished up the vocals on a Sunday, and then I would make a mix, and then they would give me some revision ideas and back and forth until everything sounded exactly how they wanted it to sound. Then we handed that off to Gary Tannen, who was a past guest here, a wonderful mastering engineer and mixing engineer and just music producer overall in, in in the Milwaukee area. So look for that on April 15th. Another project I am finishing up is with the band Cool Zoo. They are a southeastern Wisconsin. I guess we could call more like a neo grunge cuz they're coming from that grunge era, you know, Soundgarden, um, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, Pearl Jam. So I'm finishing up the mixes for them on that and then we are going to Get that sent off to the mastering engineer as well. So now that those projects are starting to settle down, I have more time to put together some more episodes for you for the Wisconsin Music Podcast. So a little bit about our guest. Ben is a percussionist, author, clinician, and music instructor based in Nashville, Tennessee. Originally from Wisconsin, Ben has nearly three decades of experience teaching private lessons as well as many years spent as a collegiate music educator cut his teeth performing as a freelance artist under the tutelage of jazz guitarist Jack Russell and the late swing clarinet Chuck Hedges. Ben currently performs nationwide with Kip Winger Acoustic of Winger and Eric Martin Acoustic of Mr. Big and has shared the stage performing with a diverse list of artists including Walter Egan, PJ Farley, rock guitarist Rip Beach, John Roth, and George Salen. Rock Rolla's Fiona, jazz pianist Barry Harris, jazz saxophone's Eric Baronis. Johnny Padilla, Berkeley Fudge, and Jess Lee Montillo. Jazz guitarist Steve Peplin and Michael Arnold. Percussionist John S. Pratt, Mitch Markovich, Dominic Cuccia, and Jeff Salisbury. Blues X Altered Five and Johnny T Birds and the MPs, many more artists in a variety of genres. Ben is an author, proofreader, freelance editor, and session performer for Hale Leonard Publishing, which is located in Wisconsin with publishing works including working drums, 50 solos for the drum set, and 40 intermediate snare drum solos. Also, rudiment solos for the marching snare drummer, modern school of the mallet keyboard instruments, Hale Leonard school for snare drum, and transcriptions for Ray Luzier's double bass drum techniques, as well as performing on writing, editing, and directing, and music directing the Hale Leonard DVD, traditional rudimental drumming by John S. Pratt. He is a Yamaha performing artist, who also currently endorses acquiring drumheads, Vic Firth drumsticks, Mike Balter mallets, impression cymbals, and tycoon percussion. He is a member of ASCAP and John S. Pratt's International Association of Traditional Drummers. He has a website at www.benhans.com. That's B-E-N-H-A-N-S. So let's get right into our conversation with Ben. Welcome okay. to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thank
0: you, Zach. Good to be here. Thanks for having me, sir.
1: Yeah, thank you for being on. Why don't we kind of tell or have you tell the listeners about you? Why don't you kind of give us your music origin story? How'd you get started in the music, and kind of like the path you've taken till where you are now today?
0: Yeah, cool. Thanks. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a I'm a drummer. So those of you not interested in drums uh, can just check out now. Right, it's <laughs> over. <laughs> uh. Uh. I, I love all kinds of music. I love playing all kinds of music. I, I'm not real good at other instruments. You know, I, I play a little bit of piano just to be able to teach some and I'm a terrible guitarist, but I, I like to play the drums. <laughs> so uh, for me, I'm really a, a product and we just got done talking about a slinger band program. I, I'm really a product of the, of the school band program, you know? So uh, when I was about 10, I auditioned for my school band program in Jefferson jefferson school district and was lucky enough to get picked for drums i wanted to play the drums or else it was going to be trombone my life would be very different (laughs) and i i apparently made an impression on this instructor who i I came to adore his name is evan fisher he taught for many years and he was a great drummer and a band director in the jefferson uh county school districts uh schools so i i man i came up through orchestral playing and marching band and uh did a you know a pep band gigs and uh we had a jazz band my my uh my group there the high school group had a steel band we had a percussion ensemble we would give up our uh, our lunch hours at school to rehearse and and play in percussion groups and do contests so it was a, it was a great time i i got hooked on it and i had this great teacher evan, evan fisher he played all that stuff and he, arranged music for steel steel drum uh uh groups and and man we played all over the place but i I guess you know my parents were very supportive with my music and i guess the big change for me was i don't know man it must have been like i don't know seventh grade or something i came home from school and my parents had acquired a drum set there was a ludwig drum set sitting in the living room and so my life changed after that and I played in school groups, of course, but I also had a, a rock and roll group with some some fellows from Jefferson County, and we played. Uh, uh, the band was called Battleship Gray, <laughs> and we played a bunch of rock tunes. We played like uh, we had a keyboard player. His name was John Lembrick, and we did Lover Boy and uh, Autograph and some Van Halen and all different types of things a lot of tunes with keyboard in it of course a couple journey things but uh yeah i got hooked uh that's that's where i got hooked on music you know coming up through the band program playing all those cool things but that that band i had in high school played school dances and parties did a few uh drinking parties and a bunch of school dances and uh did some concerts and um that really kind of spurred me on to want to keep playing yeah so so then you know I went went to school and uh, studied studied at uh, MATC, uh, MATC Milwaukee, Milwaukee Area Technical College, and University of Whitewater. And I had great teachers. And a uh, big change happened when I was in college. I started studying jazz music. So I got hooked on Miles and Train and Charlie Parker. And uh, I had great teachers at uh, Milwaukee Area Technical College that played small group music. And I'd go and sit in with those teachers. and go play play a few songs during their shows in town. And so uh, really dug that music and started uh, learning about it a lot. And also, uh, <laughs> I also took a job as a record store sales guy at the exclusive company. And if you're from Wisconsin, you know, Mr. G just died uh, a little while ago. And, uh, worked there for years and learned a bunch about music. I still keep in touch with several of the fellows that I work with I worked with at the music store, selling records. And I learned a lot about music by selling records. And uh, I guess this was really pre-internet. I remember I remember taking orders at the counter. You know, if you had to walk in if you wanted that record from whenever uh, years ago, you'd have to walk in and order it, and I'd write it down and order it from a catalog, and it'd say, you know, three weeks from now, I'll give you a call when that thing comes in. Yes, it was a different time, but uh, I really got inspired uh, in those, through all that, all those experiences. And like I said, I was sitting in with band, uh, jazz bands, and I, I got really lucky because I had this great teacher at, at MATC named Jack Russell He's a fantastic uh, guitarist who actually lives in Racine. You might be familiar with him. And uh, nowadays he plays kind of all over the world, really, but um you know coming up he played throughout the whole southeastern wisconsin area and i he kind of took me under his wing and hired me for some shows so i started playing a lot of gigs with him and really diving into that music and then it went on from there and i had my own group for for quite some time as well when i lived in wisconsin and was lucky to play with so many great jazz musicians in town uh but yeah that's kind of how things kind of got rolling and
1: uh yeah um then i moved to nashville yeah so kind of tell us about the the reason behind moving to nashville yeah so kind of
0: in the middle of all that stuff as an adult uh i uh i had a random encounter i when I was young, I enjoyed a lot of rock music. And uh, one of the bands I used to listen to was was Winger, who had Rod Morgenstein on drums. And I loved that band and the drumming was fantastic. And they were coming through town and Kip Winger, who's the, the band leader and the singer for that group, does a solo act. And I was like, oh, check this out. So I uh, saw the band and I saw him solo and I couldn't believe how great he sang. And uh, I had this wild idea, I said, man, you know, as a jazz musician for years, I'd be sitting in with musicians, you know, just walking up. I remember um, being in New Orleans and saying, Hey, walking into a club and say, hey man, can I send in, sit in for a couple tunes? Yeah, man, come up and play. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. just jam with people. So I, I kind of I guess it's kind of ballsy, but I told him, I said, Hey man, this is Kip Winger. I said, Hey, uh, I'm I'm a jazz musician, musician, and I play some some hand drums. I play some djembe and other things and i uh, loved love to jam with you and kind of looked at me like I was crazy, of course. <laughs> so <laughs> I gave him my CD. By that time I had, I had made a, my own record and I just said, Hey, can I jam? So he had three nights in green Bay at the United casino. And the first night I said this to him. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second night I came back and I, I jammed with him and, and I prepared a, uh, I don't know half a dozen or more songs that i'd seen him do online okay on youtube that i thought hey man i could probably i could play these you know i could play djembe and jam with him and it would be cool so i prepared like the next day after i talked to him and uh i had of course listened to the songs before but i mean i really got ready right, right, right i was like right. man, these are gonna be solid right so i made my little list and i get to the gig at the oneida casino and he's playing this gets on stage he's playing the show and he He said, oh, I I had a guest here that might come and play with me tonight. His name is Ken. I was like, oh, it's Ben. You know, it's a funny bit. And I had a list and I passed the list up. The bartender took the list and he took the list. He looks on on the stage and he's like, yeah, I don't play that. he goes, got it on my list. We're not playing that. No, not doing it. I might do that. I'll tell you what, I'll bring you up later. So he tosses my list, you know, and. I'm thinking, oh boy. And so he plays two songs. And the third song he says, Hey Ken, why don't you come up here? <laughs> Ken, here we go. So I take my drum up and he was he was uh, real nice to me, but uh, he, he got me a microphone and uh, we started playing and he and he said uh, we're gonna do rainbow in the rose and I had not prepared this song at all, you know. <laughs> so i kind of hacked my way through i was thinking oh i'm doing something here and uh we get done with the song and he goes okay you can sit down now <laughs> <And> so <laughs> i get off the stage and people are giving me high fives it's, just, it's really funny i thought oh, that was it but at the end of the show he he brought me up for three more songs and we played uh uh who who's the one and a solo song he has on one of his records called nothing and gosh i can't remember the the other piece of music that we that we played, but Played three songs. And then from that, he played solo shows in Milwaukee, but, you know, um, at Pottawatomie. Uh, okay. But, you know, in Chicago and maybe a little bit in Minnesota. And anytime I had a weekend where I wasn't playing, I would jump in the car with my drum and I'd show up and I'd say, hey, man, you want to you jam? <laughs> he'd say, okay, bring your drum up. So we would play, you know, three songs and that turned into five songs. And then he started hiring me. And he hired me to come down to Indianapolis for a really nice gig. And then he hired me to play at the Fillmore in wow. San Francisco and the Iridium in New York. And I'm thinking, okay, I like this, you know, because I would, i had been playing in Milwaukee and great, you know, great musicians, really a lot of fun. I love the music I was playing, but I figured that if I stayed doing that the same way, I'd be doing that when I was 75 and that's cool. <laughs> I'm fine with it. But I thought I wanted more. Yeah. And I want challenge of evolving and changing as a musician and kept having more experiences and maybe this would lead to other things. I thought so anyway, we had a long talk and he said, man, because I, I talked to my wife and we, we didn't have any kids. We were thinking about moving. We were thinking about moving to LA or we were thinking about moving to Florida or Las Vegas or something. And he says, because so we want to get to the warm, right? I'm allergic to snow now, by mm-hmm. the way. But he says, "Why don't you move to Nashville?" I'm like, "Wow, I never thought of that." We took a couple trips to Nashville and met. I met a bunch of people. I had had students, students that had established themselves in Nashville and other guys I went to college with. So people that I knew lived there. I thought, "Wow, what's what a smart idea?" You know, this is this is really a happening place, and people have a kind of a Idea of Nashville if they haven't spent a lot of time there, or if they don't know a lot about what's going on. Oh, that's country central, yeah. That's how it's happening. Man, there's a blues yeah. scene. There's great jazz players in town. There's a whole clump of rock musicians, and the symphony uh, orchestra is amazing too. So we, we we sold our house in a week and moved to Nashville.
1: <laughs> what year was this? So, uh,
0: 2017. So okay. this spring will be five years already, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So. I was pretty gung-ho and i thought oh this would be great and i knew i knew that uh, uh, i knew this would be a different change you know but I, after the first year in nashville i was like man this is i was like a culture shock you know because my wife and i are uh, wisconsin natives right so yeah. you know it was just it's 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 a lovely place the people are amazing and we've grown to love it actually but it was a big transition it was like you know all this stuff mundane right You gotta change your doctor (laughs) right right right. you gotta change your where you get in your grocery whatever you gotta but it's now become a a great a great thing for us and it's helped my career a lot you know being in that town because people take you more seriously if you say you know i'm a drummer from new berlin they're gonna take you a lot more seriously say i'm a drummer from nashville you know it's, it's a different yeah so that's what led me to nashville and I mean, a lot, of, a lot of things sprung from that move, you know, a lot of different things in my career. And so that, that was kind of a, a jumping point. And I still play with Kip, we're playing, um, he just called me for a show, we're opening for AriO Speedwagon in a couple of weeks, which will be amazing. Yeah. Uh, but from that, from, from that connection, then I was, by moving to Nashville, meeting different people and also playing with Kip for all these years, it's been about 12 years with kip a little bit more something like that you know that's that's kind of how my career grew out you know into a national kind of thing you know so so yeah um that's that's why i had to make the move for me for my career and for Mm -hmm. what i wanted i i still want to play jazz i haven't been playing a lot of jazz i still want to do it and i still will do it and i can be 75 and still be cool playing jazz but (laughs) I, i don't know if i'm 75 i'd be still cool playing rock music but but anyway um uh, it's a great, it's a great move. And I, I, uh, I've met some really awesome people, you know, by, by doing, and it will continue to happen. So cool, man. Awesome. That's a very cool
1: journey so far.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It's been, it's been pretty amazing. And, and, uh, I, I, as a teacher, I I taught for a lot of years at, at the Milwaukee area technical college. So after I graduated from there, um, Jack Grassel helped me get a position and I taught there for almost 20 years.
1: Right, right.
0: I love teaching college and I had great students and some not so good students, but some real wow. great ones and great colleagues. Oh my gosh, you know, the instructors there were amazing and I played with a lot of them too and I miss playing with them. But when I got to Nashville, I had that experience. So I, I landed a job teaching music business at the uh, SAE Institute. Okay. It's international um, recording um it's a it's a it's a technical college that that offers different programs in different cities there's five campuses in the u.s Mm -hmm. at sae nashville we have two programs music business and audio uh recording and so i started teaching there uh in nashville and my department chair was this fellow named anthony quarter and anthony quarter is the lead singer for a rock band called torah torah they had some 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 hits uh probably in the early 90s and I thought they're that still name together it sounded yeah. familiar okay yeah if you, if people know about uh i hate the term but hair metal right
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh that that they were they were at the tail end of that kind of period but they're out of memphis great he's a great singer kind of a blues blues rock type singer i'd say they're like they're the hair metal equivalent to the um uh the black crows kind of oh, okay. and
1: yeah, I can see So that. I met Anthony and
0: we became friends. So we we play together some, and we have some things coming up this year, you know. And so things like that wouldn't happen in my life if I wouldn't have moved to Nashville. I wouldn't have met him. Yeah, and other other cool people. And then uh, by playing with Kip, I ran into um, Eric Martin from Mr. Big. He's he's the singer from the band Mr. Big, and their big hit was uh, "To Be With You" mm-hmm. in the early '90s. And I always loved this band. They had this great drummer Pat Torpey, who passed away recently, and. Billy Sheehan and uh, Paul Gilbert. It was kind of a super group uh, throughout the 90s. They yeah. put out a bunch of records and they were, I think, one of these bands that they call it Bigger in Japan. They're gigantic in Asia. Okay. And it grew up in, in any case, um, we were playing, I was playing a show with Kip and it was um, Don Dockin hmm. and Jack Russell from Great White and Kip and I and uh, Eric Martin and P.J. Farley. P.J. Farley's the bass player from Trickster Okay. This band Trickster. And uh, they were playing a set and I bumped into them. We were sharing a dressing room and we hit it off. And during the set, there's a part of the set where I play with Kip where he'll do a ballad or two in a row and I, I come off the stage some nights. And this particular night I came off the stage and Eric grabbed me and he put his arm around me and I thought, oh, he must like what I'm doing, right? So. Uh, after the gig, I said, hey, man, we should we should jam together. We should play together. And they said, yeah, that'd be cool. And then coincidentally, that night, uh, Kip was not feeling well vo- vocally and he couldn't do the third show. So he said, you know, Ben, you can go and play with them. I asked him if it was cool. He's like, yeah, man, you know, get get out there and make it happen. So he Kip connected me with Eric pretty much and started the text string and we got got it going. And I went on and did the, the next night we were in Indiana and jammed with pj and eric and we had a blast and so this turned into this thing i'm doing a lot lately called um, eric martin's big acoustic so it's the songs of mr big and some songs from trickster and both eric and pj farley have their own solo records out so we do some of that music and we just got back from um daryl's house okay daryl yeah out of new york last week and it was killer, we had a killer job there, but we had been playing. We were lucky to get back, you know, during the last, what, quarter, half of the year, we've been playing pretty regular. And we really, we sort of took a chance, but we did some gigs during COVID period too. We, we ended up playing in Cleveland on top of a shipping container. Wow. <laughs> Outside on this transatlantic shipping container, and all the people were separated with with fencing, kind of, and they okay. were distant. Cool. You had to be like four or six people, only small groups, and so we played a few of these things where it was like even a, a club where everyone was wearing a mask except the band. You know, we we did a few kind of courageous type gigs, I suppose, if you want to call it that, during COVID. But uh, I mean, that kept the blood flowing. <laughs> but I uh, yeah, I man doing them and so i'll be out with them a little bit next year eric's busy he he plays in a group called avantasia which is a rock opera group in europe and i think they're getting everything rolling over there so he'll be gone a lot next year so i won't be with him as much this next year yeah some a little bit so but i'm playing percussion man so it's a little different thing so i'm playing like uh djembe and then i'm playing like a uh, cajon and hi-hat and a crash cymbal and then lately with Eric I've been playing a snare drum so it's sort of a percussion kind of pseudo acoustic rock gig kind of thing that's the type type of music that it is anyway sorry to cut you off no that's I, fine no make that's connection
1: <laughs> no the listeners would definitely want to know you know what instrumentation you're doing for percussion so yeah that's cool you mentioned back a little bit about a re- recording that you had done why don't you kind of talk a little bit about uh, the process for that
0: oh yeah thanks yeah so i have one uh kind of solo record out it's called um ben hands trio it's a it's a jazz trio record guitar um electric guitar upright bass and drum set which kind of sprung out of some live gigs that I was doing in Milwaukee. Plus um, I spent a lot of years actually as a a studio musician for Hal Leonard publishing. So I had just gotten done with a a project. It was the jazz guitar method book from Hal Leonard and a guitar player that I'd played with for years and good friends with Jeff Schradle. It was his book. We did the session. We actually did it in the studios at Casio Interstate music and uh, we had a great time doing it and i said hey we we should just do a record so the guy said yeah let's do it and i remember we rehearsed and each of us contributed some original music to the record and then we did a few uh jazz standards i think that came out in 04 yeah january of 04 it came out and so i put that record out on my own i learned a lot about the business just putting out a record licensing cover songs <laughs> what's harry fox oh i need to pay them <laughs> And um yeah, it was good. I mean it's kind of evolved right over the years because I mean at the start it was physical copies and then it went to you know digital copies and then of course it went to streaming. So you, you can see that people are still listening. Yeah. Just a different way. But now it's funny because I'll go I'll take a bag of them along to the acoustic rock shows, and then some people who like me <laughs> in the band, they'll say, "Hey Ben, what's What's Ben got for merch?" You know, I have my J S C D and they're like, "Oh, that's cool." You know, it's we're at a time though where people they're open to all genres of music because people's iPads, iPods, you know, or Spotify song lists—they're all jarbled. It's it's all a bunch of different genres and eras, and now we're at the I think this period where everybody's like a little bit more open because there's so much available and everybody's listening to everything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we're great.
0: Yeah. I put that out and uh, man, those guys are doing great. The guys on my record, um, I still te- keep in touch with Mark Salveson and Jeff Stradle and they're in a band called Altered Five and they have a, a blues, another blues record out. And in fact, they, they came to Nashville to record. So I ran into them last spring, I think it was. And okay. they're, they're actually working with Tom Hambridge, who's the drummer from Buddy Guy's band and Tom had produced like Joe Bonamassa and uh, Mick Jagger and like Susan Tedeschi and God, I mean, huge list of uh, Keith Richards and all these people. And so he did, he did the Alter five record. And I've been hearing them on BB King's blues house on XM. So they've been playing uh, my buddies. there uh pretty regular on, I think it's the record's called Holler. If you hear me. And so those, those fellows are doing real well. And nice. I think they're playing Grants this year, uh, 22 and, uh, or they did play in France, maybe I'm getting it mixed up. But they've been they've been doing some some really awesome gigs and getting some play. But they're a Milwaukee band. I should get you in touch with, yeah, with defi- Jeff. Yeah. Just yeah. could you could do one of these with Altered Five. So. Absolutely. that'd be good for, for everybody. So
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Cool. But I'm gonna do more records, but they're gonna be jazz records. So I, I have plans with a friend of mine from Wisconsin that you may or may not know who's from your area. Uh, his name is Eric
1: Moronis. Oh he's yeah, a, I went to high school with him.
0: You know Eric? Oh yeah. Fascinating man. So Eric and I have been in touch uh, through this year and we're we're planning on doing some stuff. So if I do another record, it's gonna be with Eric. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, he's into all kinds of stuff too. Yeah. He has like an, what is he called? Um, Shy? Yeah, he has like shy. an R&B thing. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Alternate name
1: uh, kind of deal and he sings and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's getting out there doing trying doing different things, which is awesome. He's not yeah. keeping himself in one box, which is great. Totally, man. Yeah, I know. And you um didn't you put out a how to book or a, a an instruction book or something like that?
0: Yeah. So I've been writing for a while. And, and again, if you're not a drummer, you're probably like, turn this off. But <laughs> I've been writing drum books and composing percussion music for a long time. And I've been uh, lucky to do that and, and get published. And I think the roots of that really come from, uh, oh, I don't know, over 20 years ago, I got a job uh, proofreading and editing freelance for Hal Leonard Publishing, which is located in Milwaukee. It's mm-hmm. the headquarters. Milwaukee, And I, I did a lot of freelancing for them and I was doing some drum books. And finally, uh, one day I got bold and I said, Hey, to the editor, I said, Hey, uh, I could write stuff as good as this or better than the things that you're giving me to proofread and edit and work on. And I said, Oh yeah, well, let's see it. (laughs) So I did a proposal and I proposed three titles of books and there'd be all original, like drum, uh, a couple snare drum books and a drum set book. And I, I thought it would be okay. You know, I was pretty confident, but I thought, man, you know, this never happens. Like you don't get signed to anything the first time you try it. So I was like, kind of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I put it together and it, they took it and they uh, they had it looked at by this fellow. And, and if there's any drummers out there, you know who this is, Rick Mattingly. Rick Mattingly is kind of a guru in the, the music, the percussion world, and especially in interviews and, and publications and things. He's been there forever. And he was, I think he was in Louisville, I send it down to him in Louisville, and he approved my stuff, and he he said yes. So they said yes, and they signed me, uh, and that's been almost twenty years. So then then I was freaking out. I was like, "Oh, this is great! I can't <laughs> believe this!" I thought, "Oh, I got to write all this." So it took me a couple of years to get all that work done. So the first book I put out was called "Working Drums." It was fifty uh, drum set solos, and what. Strange thing happened was I, I liked the music that I was writing and they, they were a drum set of tudes, So I started using them in my drum lessons. And then I met other drum teachers who liked them and started using them. So it kind of caught on. And I recognized that the students liked, it. I still use it today. I use that, that method book. It's been about, two, and I think next year it'll be 20 years. And then I wrote a couple of snare drum books for Hal Leonard and um, worked on other projects for them. But uh, when I moved to Nashville, this is the cool thing about being in Nashville. People are there. I reconnected with a college friend of mine named Troy Nelson, who also had written a number of books for Hell Leonard. And I hadn't seen Troy for 15 years or more. And uh, we reconnected. And he asked me to write for him. And I said, I thought, okay, well, this will be all right. This will be cool. And so uh, I wrote this method book with him. He, he's the editor on it and he kind of, he has a, he has kind of a concept. It's called play, play in 14 days. So he has play piano in 14 days, play guitar in 14 days, play blues guitar in 14 days and on and on. So I did the play drum set in 14 days book and he already has a big, a big customer base but anyway, he, he helped me, you know finish this. I did it all my own. I did all my own editing. I recorded it at SAE with um, the director of Education there, Ryan Griffin, the engineer, and we put all the tracks from the book in the book, and it's like a sound library deal. And the thing's have been taken off. It's crazy. I, it's, it's outselling really anything I've ever done completely. Yeah. So I have like six or eight books with Hal Leonard. This book has outsold all of those collect- collectively within wow. one year. So it's taken off. I I look today, it's number two on Amazon.
1: Congratulations, which is a mind
0: blow. It's been out for a year. <laughs> so it's been. It got up to like it was on number one for just a minute, but this last this last fall, it kept creeping back up again. So somebody's somebody's working with it. You know, yeah, I mean, somebody's it's 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 really kind of taken off so that's encouraging exciting so that's kind of uh, a little minor hit for me so that, that's that's something fun and i just did another one with hal leonard so i'm not exclusive with them but uh with troy but with hal we just did something called 50 the Fifty First songs you should play on snare drum so it's basically 50 snare drums so <laughs> okay. it's it's in this whole series that hal leonard has that's been doing good for them it's the 51st anything you know the 51st piano songs you learn the 51st country guitar songs or whatever so we just got that out and that came out a couple of months ago and it's a compilation kind of book so there's some of my stuff's in there and then um we have some other classic stuff in there and some new some new things from some rudimental drummers so uh yeah and still continue to do a lot of that and i have two two in the in the oven for next year so keep writing you got to keep writing yeah can you say what's in the oven or do you have to kind of keep that on the hush hush right
1: now uh, sure
0: so with Hal Leonard I have something um it's a collection of multi-percussion solos, so it's really right up your alley what you do as a teacher for a contest solo and ensemble you'd have a multiple percussion set up with a bongo and a conga and a, a crash cymbal and a Ratchet or something, and then you make music with a, a handful of percussion. So, nice. a lot of percussionists use those in college and high school performances. So that's that's on the way for next year. And then also, I have a, a snare drum book that I'm working on with uh, with Troy Nelson. So that's that's going to come out uh, late next year too.
1: Cool. Yeah, it sounds like you're definitely busy. Yeah. Well, it's it's it's
0: a blessing to be a busy musician at in these weird times in the last couple of years. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. I hear you on that. <laughs> Obviously, you know, you've been talking also about, you know, playing and and doing gigs and stuff like that. And you've been in Nashville for now five years. Can yeah. you kind of tell us the, what, you know, similarities and differences you've seen between the two local music scenes between Milwaukee and Nashville?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good question. Well, in Nashville, I've, you know, learned to find out that there's a lot of local musicians and there are a lot of people who, are from Tennessee that that play music there. And uh, there are also a lot of people in Nashville that come there to play music, and they end up uh, playing a lot on on Broadway. So the Broadway strip is sort of like uh, sort of like a Memphis Beale Street kind of thing. Uh, or a Bourbon Street, New Orleans kind of thing where there's like music clubs lined up one after the other boom, 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 boom. boom. And there's a whole strip of clubs. So in Nashville, there's a ton of talent and uh, a lot of people do play locally and sometimes on that Broadway scene, a lot of the Nashville guys will be off for a weekend and they'll come and sit in or they'll jam or they'll play down there. Some of those gigs are paid gigs, but there's a lot of tip gigs there. So that's a little bit different than Wisconsin. You could be a, a Wisconsin musician and mostly get paid. In Nashville, if you're a local musician, sometimes you're not getting paid playing some of these jobs that they have. Uh, Although I shouldn't say that because a lot of the regular jobbing Nashville guys um, who are incredible, you know, they'll play shifts. So they'll play like the afternoon shift and then the early evening shift and then the late shift at different clubs around uh, all up and down the strip. Okay. And they'll they'll make some money. So there was a a guitar player named Rick Wagner that I, I, he was a student of mine at MATC. And when I got to Nashville, he was, one of my first music contacts there. And we, we had lunch a couple of times and he, he was doing that. So he's playing three shifts and, and making good bread. He was just doing that. So um, I, th- I think, and I, you know, it's weird. I, I've met Wisconsin based musicians who commute to Nashville to play those. They'll play for a weekend, right? They'll play, yeah. they'll, bring, they'll show up and play with a Nashville band or they'll bring one guy side guy with them down from Wisconsin and then they'll play a weekend of three, three and three and three or something. They'll okay. do nine gig in the weekend or whatever it is, and then they'll go home. So, I mean, and and really that, that whole thing is, is kind of touristy. There's, I mean, p- people come into Nashville for that, to hang out there and it's, it's, a, it's a little touristy, you know, the fan base and everything. So that's maybe different than playing in Wisconsin. Or mm. <laughs> Wisconsin, everybody's kind of from there anyway. Yeah. You know, you don't get a lot of tourists at the, the local haunts you play the levels of musicianship are, are similar. I mean, Wisconsin has a lot of great musicians. It's it's amazing and I miss a lot of them. So I don't think the level is that much different. I think in Nashville you, you, there's always a chance that you might bump into people. So that's the difference too. There's a lot more, you know, opportunities as far as just random meetings. And that does happen for people where they, mm-hmm. people get heard some places. Whereas if I was just, you know, playing it in West Dallas Every weekend, you know, no one's, no one's going to hear me and say, hey, Ben, right, right. <laughs> you're coming on the road with me. You know, <laughs> I'm in the back of a bar in West Dallas, you know, no one's listening. But uh, I don't know, it's not for everyone. And you got to have, I think if anyone's listening to this and they were like, man, I got to take my music to the next level. I think you got to definitely have some context already. Um, I think a mistake a lot of younger musicians will make will be to pull up roots and just move and think that something's gonna happen right away. It's gonna take you a while. And after I moved there, a lot of people would tell me, hey, you know, like, you're doing great, Ben. Cause I would get frustrated, man. Cause I've been, I was established and I was used to being established, uh, you know, and and doing things and I was, I had to restart. I had to restart my career basically. And they were saying, my friends that, we were like, man, this is a five-year town. You're doing amazing. This was like year two, you know, year three. I'm like, ah, it's not good enough. You know,
1: <laughs> need to be more established,
0: you know, yeah. but um, I, I see a lot of people come into town. They'll do it for a year, they'll do it for two years, and then they get frustrated or they'll get discouraged or they don't feel like they're making uh, progress or definitely a lot of younger guys, they'll come in and they won't, Make a lot of money playing and they think that maybe moving from chicago or wherever milwaukee you can move to nashville and make money well you maybe could but it's a tougher there's there's more musicians concentrated yeah. it's a more concentrated scene so there's less money to go around for everybody so i do see a lot of guys coming and going you know since i've been there in out yeah <laughs> and that's that's the thing and uh, anybody that's been in town for a long enough time sees that the transients coming in coming out and yes yeah, it's, it's not it's not maybe for everybody
1: <laughs> no it's you know they have to have a certain goal and understand that it, like you said it, it takes time and you have to have connections you need to network and all yeah, that stuff definitely. that you have to do it's definitely networking
0: definitely connections definitely knowing somebody before you come make a music, a music city move like that. Yeah. You know, there's a f- few towns in the United States where that's, that's the industry, you know, and, and Nashville is specifically that too, because it has the, the labels. It has the performance rights organizations, CSAC and ASCAP and BMI and the, all the publishing houses and all the songwriting stops, you know, it's a, it's concentrated. <laughs> so if you're good, you might, you might be able to make a living at it, you know, if you come in there and, and, you're, and you're serious and you're,
1: uh, you're dedicated to it, yeah. you know. Work-life balance. Is it something that you're still trying to figure out or you kind of got it under control?
0: Mostly under control. That's good. I'm really, I'm really lucky because my wife's a music nut and she also, throughout my whole career, probably people who know me, know this a little but not everybody that peripherally knows me she's been kind of my music manager my whole life and it's been a blessing because she helps me with my music and making the right business choices and is really business minded and over the last two years her and her business partner um, formed this entertainment uh, group called entertainment services in New York and he's he's in Rome New York his name is Bill Apollo. And he's he does a lot of production and then uh, does some booking and then she'll do booking, too. So she's she's picked up since we moved to Nashville. She's picked up as a booking agent. So she's an independent booking agent. and we, She signed a number of artists and she's working with them. We we're we're on a Christmas day today, but she's been on the phone all day today. Booking shows for Tony Harnell, who's a, a, he used to sing with TNT, the rock metal band. TNT he's a great singer. And so he has an acoustic act and she also helps book Eric and PJ and I, the trio and keeps us pretty busy. So uh, when we go on the road, she's on the road with us. So she's road managing and has booked the show and, and kind of helps us a lot. So my, my personal life, my wife and I, we get to spend the time together on the road. So we'll be traveling together and I get to keep my personal life personal. It's pretty, pretty amazing we we don't have any children so that's that's not the complicated you know part of it but uh uh we we enjoy spending time with the musicians and and man it's it's really good so i'm okay there mostly cool. <laughs> so, cool. i mean uh um yeah i think it's i think it's worked out you know uh we we all want covid to go away so we can all be busier yeah so that's obviously everybody's working toward and hoping for so you know when that happens um well you may get to spend more time together so what about
1: um gigs that made an impression on you um and why and they could be either as a performer or as uh, an audience member oh that's a good question cool
0: yeah oh man um let's do them both so i think for me personally one of the things that fired me up when i was a youngster was i uh this rock band i played in high school with battleship craig uh the guitar player andy andy um helped help me out a lot because he took me uh to see Van halen the uh ou812 tour and i was blown away it's the first Big mega concert I'd seen in it. And it was the brand new Bradley Center, which has now been destroyed. Yes. (laughs) Which I still can't believe. But it was brand new. Bradley Center was just open. I think it was the first concert in there. And uh, Andy Ziegler and his dad took me with them to see uh, Sammy Singh and Eddie and Alex Van Halen blew my mind. He did this thing. You can see it on YouTube nowadays. The OU812 tour where he blasts off on a stage drum set riser that looks like a UFO. <laughs> and he goes into the air and he plays a single stroke roll, plays into a Simmons drum pad. I think it is a double stroke roll and he blasts off into outer space is really great. So that was a really influential night for me, you know, as a musician, as a young person being influenced by great musicians. And uh, also when I was in college, I was really lucky. I, I went and saw Elvin Jones a bunch in Chicago. Uh, Elvin Jones is a great jazz drummer from John Coltrane's band, and he he made a really big influence on me. And his band was always incredible. I think I had seen him play like four times, three or four times before he passed away. And also, I really loved uh, seeing this drummer named Billy Higgins. Billy Higgins uh, recorded on almost all these great, the greatest Blue Note records of all time, uh, and and he played in Cedar Walton's band. So. Ralph Moore was on that gig too on saxophone. Great band. I think it was like around the Cedar Walton Eastern Rebellion era band. But I, I think seeing Billy Higgins play really kind of solidified my whole concept of jazz drumming. And so that was a really influential and, and uh fantastic experience for me, kind of a out of this world kind of moment to see him play. I only saw him once, unfortunately. I saw Cedar a number of times, great piano player. But as far as shows, um, I think there's, there's probably a, a whole handful of shows that I, I worked with Jack Russell when he was uh, my band leader that I could say that were really influential. I, I know we played in Cutler Park in Waukesha with John Price on bass and Johnny Padilla on sax. A great night. Uh, but I did work with him. I got, to, I got to meet and work with Barry Harris, who is the great jazz bebop piano player who passed away yeah. like 10 days ago or something. Yeah and he spent Barry spent i don't know how many weeks kind of like it was an educational experience for the city i can't recall what it was called but he spent time at the wisconsin conservatory he spent time at matc and then he played and taught throughout the city for weeks on end and i got to play with him with berkeley fudge and hal miller on base and jack and we played this party at city hall milwaukee it was for an anniversary of the city or something and it was a, a celebration and Mayor norquist who was the mayor at the time was was there and that was a kind of a um a, i don't know what we could say but like a moment where i i kind of like went to the professional side like in my brain like yeah. oh my god you know I'm, these guys are great and that's barry harris too like what like that's the sidewinder man yeah. he's like morgan sidewinder he's on that record like i was like and i was a kid so it was it was really kind of a moment where i felt like i grew up pretty fast and barry was playing right and he wouldn't talk to anybody during the gig right or i mean no, even like before or after he didn't say a lot to the band right yeah but he would look at me under the piano like the piano um uh was at an angle, right the the, the, the lid, is what I'm trying to say, was stacked up, and his head was down underneath the piano. he's looking right at me the whole gig, and he would play like behind the beat, and then he'd rush a little bit and then he'd play behind and he would stab, <laughs> notes. and he was sort of like teaching me things without ever saying anything while we were playing the music, and it was just kind of a crazy out of this world like experience. so that was that was incredible. that was a good one. I don't know. I, I've I've played a lot of really amazing shows with Kip Winger and he's such a fantastic musician. You know, it's hard to kind of name a few. We we played in London at the this place called the Borderline and we've had amazing shows there. That's been a great experience doing those uh, at the Borderline. The crowds are just really into the music. Um, I think one one of those I mentioned before was really like the kind of a. a, a Experience of a lifetime was, was playing at uh, the Fillmore. So San Francisco, great classic venue for mu- all kinds of music, the, the Fillmore West. You know, Miles, Miles had played that stage and Ornette Coleman and the Foo Fighters and Dave Matthews, just about anybody you'd ever think you'd want to see. Right. Jimi Hendrix, Jefferson Airplane on that stage, and there I was playing that gig with Kip on that stage and it was a fantastic audience. We were we were playing with YNT, who's a really great rock and metal band uh on the West Coast. They're huge out there. Uh, a lot of people in the Midwest maybe don't know them as well, but in that genre, they're great. Dave Manichetti's the lead singer for that group and great guitar player. But we 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 played that show with them. That was that was a an important gig for me. I I remember Kip's, he. I don't remember something like maybe it was like uh, the, the, the day sheet or something he gave me. And he's like, here you go. Here's this. You're going to remember this one, you know, tell your <laughs> grandkids about it. he played the film or. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, man. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But, um, there's been some great experience and, and, and up to, up to last, last week when I played with Eric and PJ at, at Daryl's house and I've worked that job with Kip too. And it's, it's a great place. The, the sound man, um Peter uh Moshe. Peter Moshe, he's he's actually Holland sound guy for a gazillion years. Okay. And he's the sweetest, sweetest guy, greatest sound guy ever. Great venue. And I mean that was just last week. So I'm continuing to have these really amazing experiences. You know, I'm really lucky and fortunate to play with great players and, and get to play these venues. So there are a lot of them, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of them, but but really, it comes down to like we started, you know. I, it's 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 those early experiences, you know. It's it's like yourself. You're you're a music teacher, you know. Yeah. You you influence young people, you know. I I get to do it too as a teacher. I'm still teaching lessons, and it's like your teachers influence you to get you going, and then those those live experiences. You're coming up as a young person and a young musician that's what gives you the gas, the firelight to like, burn it, you know, to get to that point where you can really do it. So it's, when you're there, sometimes you, you're not realizing that as a young musician. So, you know, I I think I would tell any young musician, you know, try to take every experience seriously and make it count and and go and see. I tell people this too, it's like, it's tough now because of COVID, but it's like, go and see these bands. Go and support these artists and anybody that you think you like, go and see that. Yeah. Go and go to the concert, go to the venue, watch these musicians, watch, watch what they do, check them out. You know, that, that concert you go to could inspire you to become a better piano player, guitar player, singer, whatever, drummer. And that's what I would tell people that that's something that keeps the fire burning. I agree. You know, being a part of an audience, watching that experience, because obviously as a performer, the audience is giving you energy and, 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 you know, you're feeding off the the audience and then you're, you're playing your music and then the audience is feeding off of your energy. It's a cyclical thing. It's, it's unlike, it's better than any drug yeah. <laughs> having that audience that's listening, that's really into it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy great thing. So, I always tell young musicians that, you know, go, go, have your parents take you to the show. And it's funny. I, a lot of these shows have been playing with Eric. I, we have that. We have parents bring in their younger, younger, uh, family. The kids coming to the show.
1: Yep.
0: 12 year olds, 10 year olds coming to these venues. Wow. I mean, that's pretty young, I guess, to me, but it's, it's true. I mean, they they might get inspired to be that next player. Right. That, that
1: my, my, really, uh, really my does parents, amazing stuff. My <laughs> parents took me to, um, alpine valley when i was five years old to see the doobie brothers right on so uh, i know exactly i know and when our kid was growing up we took them to uh to concerts and plays and and musicals and everything just to get them well-rounded so by the time she you know that she's an adult now so i think she's got a pretty well-rounded arts education at least nice Do you you remember the smells of Alpine Valley when you were, when you were that age? No, (laughs) but I've been there many times and I know what you're talking about, (laughs) especially being a a person that likes to go and see Dave Matthews a lot. I I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But um, as I wrap this up, is there what's on your playlist right now? I know you've mentioned multiple, um, bands but i mean you can recap those and add more if you want to but you know who are you listening to right now
0: stuff i'm listening to right now yeah oh that's a good question uh let me let me see what i listened to recently let me see what i what i listened to recently i just do this when i come up oh yeah i'm looking at my phone by the way because no one can see me (laughs) um actually the last few weeks you know i i do i itunes you know some people are doing spotify and everything but i do itunes and pandora a lot and i had been i've been stuck on the last two weeks or so i i built the genesis channel on pandora so they were playing i discovered that i it's something i already knew but i rediscovered that my influences were all the british second generation um invasion stuff right so like uh i The Beatles are great and the Stones are great and everything, but I was like the next group, right? So I'm super into Zeppelin. I love Genesis with Peter Gabriel. And I love The Police. And um, man, I love Steve Winwood. So, I mean, I'm kind of influenced by music of like the second wave and even like the new wave stuff. I'm into new wave. So um, I'll listen to XM radio and I'll bounce around between like, what is that? Like 33, the new wave station. I can't think of all the names of them right now, but you know, Duran Duran. I mean to pop. I like pop music. Man, what was I looking listening to really recently? Um, Billy Squire. I was listening to some Billy Squire and uh some Cal Jader. So I mean I'm a jazz guy too, so I, I bounce around. And uh I mean, I think the week before that I was listening to a lot of Coltrane. So, you know, I, I love I love John Coltrane's music and I love Latin jazz. So Cal Jader, he's a great vibraphone player. Okay, Tito Puente, all that stuff. Right. Um, and I'm a blues guy, man. So I've got a big poster of a uh, big frame poster, of John Lee hooker in my office. And I love, I love like lightning Hopkins and, and, uh, even some of the more modern blues guitar players, Coco Montoya and Doyle Brammel, mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a lot of like the modern blues scene stuff. Um, but yeah i mean bill evans a great jazz piano player i love i love bill evans and charlie parker all that kind of great stuff i, I mean I like a lot of people i've got an extensive list of, of things i like a lot more music than i don't like so
1: yeah i hear you i hear you on that <laughs> That's though my
0: roots i mean really zeppelin and genesis that's really where i was coming up that's yeah that was big on influence on me and of course alex van halen <laughs> crazy great yeah anyway. for sure
1: is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about before I let you go? I wanted
0: to talk about,
1: hmm,
0: boy, um, what do I want to talk about? Well, what I'm doing about next year. So um, plans are next year. I, like, I, like you'd asked me, I have a couple of books that I'm doing, but yeah, live performances. So I'll be playing with Kip Winger, uh, duo, which is which is a really cool thing to to play duo with a guy like that, you know, and he's. He's actually composed a whole bunch of orchestral and classical music. He was up for a Grammy for uh, classical music nice. in 2017, and he has a recording of his new symphony. He wrote a symphony, and the Nashville Symphony is going to play it in March. So uh, it's his debut of that, the recording it, the recording it live. So I'll be going to that and attending that. I have plans to go see Pat Metheny nice. this spring. I'm excited to see Pat Metheny play. I've never seen him play live. He's coming through Nashville, and uh, I'm hoping also to see Winton Marsalis. I've never seen Winton play live, and he's going to be uh, in town, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, I'm looking forward to playing. I have got. Uh, let's see. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do a shameless plug. Are you ready? Sure. Shameless plug. Go for it. I'm playing with Anthony Porter of Tora Torah at the Waiting Room in Saint. And uh St Anne, Missouri, on the twenty eighth of January, is that right? yeah twenty eighth of January. and uh then I'll be with Kip uh, the next weekend. We'll be playing um in Kentucky uh, with Ario Speedwagon, and there'll be a lot of dates I'll be doing with with both of those guys and as well as uh with Eric Martin next year, and this isn't really. Well-known stuff, but it happened once last year. I, I did a I did a job with with PJ Farley and Eric was sick, so um, they got we got um, Steve Brown from Trickster. He's a guitar player from Trickster. He subbed a lot with Def Leppard and he plays in um, Ted Poli's band uh, Danger Danger, okay. <laughs> and he's a great guitar player. And I just did a job with him a couple weeks ago in New Jersey. He sings great. Anyway, PJ and Steve are the last two remaining touring members and current active members of trickster i'm going to add with them and we're going to do dates this year as trickster acoustics so that music if people are into that music that'll be coming coming this year cool. so i'm excited to play with those guys so i'm i'm you know i'm staying busy yeah definitely <laughs> that's good though i did i you know i'm fortunate to do it you know i'm fortunate to do it and um I guess some parting things is what i always used to tell my music business students when i was teaching in milwaukee it's like you know you, like you said it too though zach it's like this is a networking thing and i think um part of it too is is in a in a musician sense it's like just being prepared you know not being an asshole, yeah you know showing up on time being there and then doing what you say you're going to do like if you say you're going to be somewhere on a date and you take the date uh you take the date you know that's yep. that's the way it is. you don't i i as a band leader i used to hate that i would hire like a bass player or a keyboard player piano player that i would want to play with for a certain show and this was even in wisconsin i'd say hey this this gig's on you know the fifth and it's at nine o'clock at this club it pays this much money be there for my band you want to do it yes let's do it you know i'd respond to a phone call or text or whatever i mean that's an oral contract with me i'm the band leader right but then dudes would uh bail like a week before like hey Ben you know I got this other gig you know I'm sorry I mean I'm gonna have to back out you know uh maybe I'll send a sub or not I don't know do you want me to send a sub I'm like no that's cool man I'll get somebody else because what did they do they took a better paying gig maybe they made 50 dollars more that night somewhere or 100 dollars more somewhere else well guess what my phone and that number didn't get rung again I didn't yep. call that guy back because he's shorting me the week before the gig you yep. don't do that so nope. That kind of stuff, you know, that kind of like lame brain stuff amongst sidemen, you know, I don't do that to people. Like if I'm, if I'm playing a gig, like I'll do the gig, I'll be there. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I would tell that to people who are on any instrument, you know, do, do what you say you're going to do. Be prepared, you know, know the music, um, don't make excuses and don't root for the Chicago bears.
1: (laughs) That is for sure. You guys That's kind of, right. I interviewed um, – I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's got this app. I think it's called Band Live. I, th- But don't quote me on it. I'll have to look it back up, and it's been a, about a month or so since I talked to him. But it's kind of like – Yeah. It's a service where you can put a gig out and send it out to certain people, and then those people can either say yes or no, and it's kind of like a contract that they'll be there for that gig for whatever price you're you know, going to pay them and whatnot. And it's all – in the app so maybe I'll, I'll send you that information oh
0: so it's like, a, you know, like a, yeah that'd be cool i kind of get your drift it's kind of like a, you hire a band through the app sort right
1: thing exactly
0: oh huh. that makes sense yeah i'll check it out i'm, yeah. I'm into anything new and cool and things that make our lives
1: easier that's yeah, for sure that's for sure
0: uh um if anyone's actually still listening and was into drumming and into my stuff um, you can find more information about me at my website. It's just benhands.com, b-e-n-h-a-n-s.com. B-E-N-H-A-N-S.com. No. On Facebook, it's Ben Hans Percussionist is my is my professional page, and uh, I, I'm on Twitter too. So if anybody's listening to this six months from now and is, "Hey, I want to talk to that Ben guy," you know, look me up, send me a message. I'm out there. I'm a, I'm attainable. You can reach me. Um, I'm happy to help anybody that's. That's a Wisconsin musician that's looking for um, some advice. I'm if anybody knows knows me from all the years in Wisconsin, helping students that, you know, I'll do anything I can to help you. So that's that's totally on the table for your listeners. And uh, and any, any musicians that you know we want to network with, so that's the key thing is networking. And I I always enjoy being a hub to try to help people too myself. So if I can give somebody a hand in some way, I would love to do to do that down the line. So just wanted to say that. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, thanks, Ben, for so much for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. It was a pleasure. Great information, and it was great talking with you.
0: Thank you, Zachary. I was. I'm really happy to do it, and I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, we could reconnect, and uh, wish you all the best. So thanks so, so much for having me today. Thank you. A
1: lot of fun. Woo! And that's our interview with Ben. We have such great talented musicians here in Wisconsin. It's just mind blowing sometimes. And if you're interested in being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast, I have a short form on the website at wisconsinmusicpodcast.com, dot com, and it's just a quick guest request form put in your name and your email address, sends me a notification, and then I automatically send an email out to you asking for your bio and your music links and some other questions about your music life. And once I get a chance to look through your stuff, I will send you a link to our scheduling calendar and you can sign up for the best time and date for you to have your interview here on Wisconsin Music Podcast. So thank you so much for listening in this week to the Wisconsin Music Podcast, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks.